now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is live from the bunker. beginning of the week and I have finished my taxes ladies and gentlemen they're done they're filed they're gone I'm excited because it's finished I cross it off my list welcome everybody we are live from the bunker my name is Jason Hunt I am happy to be here and have all of you with us whether you're here live or if you're here uh, on the podcast platforms, or on a lot of them, I do want to invite you to join us live on the video streams every now and again. We're broadcasting right now to YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and uh, Odyssey. But if you are not here with us live, you can still leave a comment. And, of course, the email address uh, is always working, at least for now, uh, live from the bunker at sci me.com. And we have a Discord server. Uh, maybe it works. All right, so <laughs> give a shout-out to uh, some of our listeners. We've got people around the globe. Russia showing up on the map this week. Uh, Canada, of course, the United States, and various parts of Europe, so... Uh, happy to have all of you with us. Hope you stick around, because occasionally we'll have some interesting things to say. Maybe um, I have I have said. Let me let me throw this out here first. I have said <coughs> in the past that uh, this show is better when there are guests, and I still I still maintain that. I still I still believe that. But there is a trade-off. And the trade-off is that when I have guests, and when I have a full week of guests, there's not much opportunity to uh, talk about various things going on in the news. And so Mrs. Boss and I have been having some conversations. And <coughs> the thought is... Possibly, every now and again, maybe, we do a second hour. Maybe. On those days where we have a guest, uh, because usually we have a guest and we go the full hour with the guest. And we talk about what they're, what they're talking about, whatever, you know, whatever subject is, is theirs, you know, as far as you know, getting their expert opinion on something, whether it's the panel discussion on AI or we're looking at money stuff or, or anything like that, or if they're promoting a project, <coughs> excuse me, they've got a book coming out or they're, they're working on a, on a comic book or, or anything like that. So we usually give them the entire hour uh, if they have that in their schedule, which means generally sometimes the, uh, the show ends and we don't get a chance to talk about anything else. Now, we can play catch-up on Open Line Friday, 
but nobody's calling it Open Line Friday except for maybe a handful of people that are our regulars. And I am perfectly fine with that, but I would like to have more people calling in on Friday and mix up that topic, uh, that topic list uh, a lot more. But so then we have stuff that happened. I mean, we had all of the stuff with Jonathan Majors last week, and we're going to get into that today. And uh some some things what happening we've had a number of of uh, stories about layoffs and how that's affecting things the theaters and and whatnot and so the the thought is that maybe <coughs> we do a second hour on occasion maybe not every day and that thought leads to another thought is if we do a second hour do we go exclusive to Rumble and Odyssey and cut off the YouTube at the hour and then just go over to YouTube and Odyssey for the rest of it? Because that's a possibility as well. Now, as we've been going through this, Rumble has been uh, giving us some pretty good numbers uh, performance-wise as far as like a view count and, and that sort of thing. Um but all of our subscribers, the bulk of our subscribers for the video channels, are on YouTube. Right now we're sitting at 2366. That number continues to grow. It's growing steadily. We're averaging about three or four a day. Which, compared to other channels, might not be big. But from a historical standpoint, just looking at our track record, it's it's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I can attribute a lot of that to our our conversation with Cameron Pasha a couple of weeks ago. Um, the fact that I've been on other streams talking about things and uh, and recommendations from those channels to 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 check us out. And those of you who are brand new, you're just finding this channel you know, hopefully there's stuff here that uh, that you find of value and uh, and you stick around. And I'm I'm hoping, and I'm not sure what the mechanism is going to be for this, but I'm hoping that those of you who are subscribed to us on YouTube migrate over, also subscribe to us on Odyssey or Rumble and or Rumble, either or or both just to make sure that in the event something happens to the YouTube channel, which, you know, Big Brother 1984 is still a very much a thing, it could happen. I don't know that it will, because we don't generally dive into politics and, and, and current global events as much as other channels do. <coughs> but occasionally, I'm kind of the edge there so on on the on the remote possibility that YouTube could shut us down I'd like everybody to connect with us on those other video platforms as well so you don't lose out so that's kind of what I'm doing now Dave su suggests an extension of the program as needed but continue on YouTube for 15 to 20 minutes then move to rumble that's that's a possibility. Um, I guess part of it is my my old-fashioned brain and the training that I've had and the fact that I approach this as a typical broadcast channel 
my my brain automatically goes top of the hour and we and we make the switch at the top of the hour because that's that's my that's my broadcast clock uh talking so um <laughs> it's it's something to some, something we're kicking around here i will we'll see i don't know because stuff stuff is is happening and occasionally it's you know more timely to talk about it when it's happening and i've said you know we need to let uh, let some stories play out, and the Jonathan Majors thing uh, has gotten interesting, I guess we could say. So, <coughs> Cam over on Rumble says, I wish we could get more commenters on Rumble. I'm left to YouTube to engage. Well, see, and that's the thing. We have chat widgets on all four video platforms. YouTube's got it, Odyssey's got it, Rumble's got it, and, and uh, Twitch has it. And... Rumble has been doing a lot of upgrades, a lot of changes, a lot of updates and, and whatnot. And I think the I think the chat widget in Rumble is is working the way you would expect it to, the way you'd want it to. <coughs> so there's that. But uh, but yeah, we we get okay engagement. I'm not gonna complain. I mean you guys are here and you're active in the chat and you're and you're talking and talking to each other and you're talking to us and that's great i just wish there was more of you we'll get there though we will get there eventually we'll see all right so uh let's start here just with a quick update because there have been some developments dungeons and dragons was number one at the box office this weekend um how'd that happen Beat John Wick. Ish. <coughs> Hollywood Reporter, box office. Dungeons and Dragons opens to okay, $38.5 million in North America. Uh, Honor Road Thieves open to an honorable enough $38.5 million at the domestic box office, enough to take out John Wick Chapter 4 and top the chart. <coughs> Big budget movie based on Hasbro's fantasy tabletop game, which was bought by Hasbro, was not developed by Hasbro. Came in ahead of expectations, but will still need strong legs throughout April and into May in order to launch a new movie franchise for Paramount and E1 after costing $150 million to produce before marketing. All right, so uh, the the break-even, it's got to do, I think I heard 400-ish somewhere. <clears throat> Because if you got 150 million in production, you probably double that with marketing. Although their marketing has been abysmal, so figure 350 to 400 million that's got to make back, and that that's a global number. It doesn't have to be all domestic. But you know, people were sitting there, you know, saying 30 million, and here it is, 38 and a half. Uh, you know, that's 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 a uh, that's a respectable performance. And <laughs> I have yet to see a terrible, this is awful, terrible, awful, tar terrible, you know, review. Every review that I've seen has been positive. Even, even Culture Casino and Toxic Man Flu, while they acknowledge this is not the movie they would make, they have positive things to say about different elements in the film. So, 
not a ringing endorsement, but Culture did adjust his rating, at, you know, his, his five-star rating, gave it a two and a half out of five, adjusted upwards after a few days of reflection because everybody's sitting there going, this is not a bad movie. It's entertaining. It's fun. Are there woke elements? Maybe. I guess depending on how you're looking at things. I'm, maybe. <clears throat> but again, that goes back to, you know, that goes back to the Kenobi doctrine, right? You know, from a certain point of view, <clears throat> many of the things we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. And I think that uh, after so many years now of dealing with uh, ideological, dr- ideologically driven drivel, I think we are oversensitive to it. I think we, uh, I think we assume that it's there even when it's not. And I'm not saying it's not there in D and D. I think. It's there if you look for it to be there. Um, and, you know, some people are going to see it. Some people are not. I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it overtly right in the, in the middle of watching the movie. If I sit and I think about it, I could probably come up with a few places where it's like, yeah, okay, I could see that. <clears throat> but I'd, I still recommend the movie. I still say you should go see it. And the point about the film having legs, this is this is the the key element here because the Super Mario Brothers movie drops on Wednesday, and it's going to smash through everything through the weekend. And I don't think that it's an accident that they're dropping it on Wednesday because Wednesday builds up through the Easter weekend, and it's going to be a lot more screens in that time period rather than just the weekend by itself. So you're going to get some adjusted box office numbers there. And it's likely to beat John Wick 4, and it'll beat Dungeons & Dragons. But what I'm thinking is going to happen, and this is just an off-the-cuff prediction, <clears throat> what I think might happen is that people will go see John Wick 4, and you've got people already going to see John Wick 4 because it's been out now two weeks, you're going to have people that are going to go see the Mario Brothers movie, and they're going to enjoy it. They're going to love it. Everything's going to be great. It's going to do box office boffo. Boffo box office is how the trades are doing. And then, well, what else is out in the movies? And the positive buzz about Dungeons & Dragons and the fact that it is accessible to the general public, not just the D&D players... There will be word of mouth that sustains this film. Now, everybody's going to keep going to see John Wick. People will go see John Wick again. People will go see the Mario Brothers movie again. But at the same time, well, we've already seen John Wick. We've already seen Mario Brothers. What else is out? And then maybe they take a look at Dungeons and Dragons and they say, oh, well, hey, you know, the critics love it. The audience likes it. There's all these positive reviews. Let's go check it out. Maybe. I think it will be interesting to see how D&D performs in its third week. Because it did better than expected its first weekend. 
Second weekend is going to get clobbered by Mario. So figure it'll come in third. Maybe. Because Mario will come in first. John Wick will come in second. D&D will come in third. <coughs> the next weekend, we'll see. And remember what George Lucas says. You know, the genre stuff, the sci-fi movies, they always do well the first weekend, and they have this big drop-off from week to week, week one to week two. That was his assumption what was going to happen when Star Wars came out in 1977. You know, he went off to Hawaii. He's like, okay, it's done, it's out, we'll get a good weekend out of it, and then that'll be all there is. And he gets a phone call from Alan Ladd Jr. says, it's a hit. And Luke is like, well, yeah, it's just the first weekend, though. Let's see what happens next weekend. And it was a hit, and it just kept rolling after that. But Lucas's expectation was based on past performance of science fiction films. And if you project forward, you still have a little bit of that. <clears throat> but I think the other thing that's going to help the D&D movie is that it's not Marvel. It's not a Disney property. And Emma says, why, why am I so sure Mario will bank so good? Because it is, uh, it is a big franchise that appeals to a certain age group of people who have been playing this game for years who will take their kids because it's a cartoon. And because, uh, I was, well, and Chris Pratt came out this weekend and said, you know, this, this movie... He basically established uh, and confirmed that Nintendo would not let them woke it up. Uh, he he basically said, you know, Nintendo is 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 concerned about the integrity of the source material. You 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 make sure that you respect the source material. So that's going to be a factor for those who are paying attention to such things. And it's not Marvel. It's not Disney. It's an animated picture that's not overtly throwing out any kind of message. I mean, we saw when, when, the, when the images came out and we first saw Princess Peach in her uh, Mario Kart outfit, the motorcycle outfit, <coughs> and there was reaction. There was, oh, you're just turning her into a strong female woman. So it's like, no, 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 that's her outfit from the game. That source material stuff, that's, I mean, that argument got shut down really quick because people who played the game, people who have, have been familiar with the Mario franchise forever, they recognize that's, that's from the game. This is not some new iteration that they're making for politics or, or message. That's, that's what she looks like in Mario Kart. That's what she looks like in the game. So the... So far, the buzz has been this thing's going to be really good. And Pratt also says that we're establishing the Nintendo Cinematic Universe, which has been a rumor. We've reported on this, and, you know, we hear from, from the occasional, you know, discussion or article or something, speculation that there's going to be this Nintendo Cinematic Universe. If this is the beginning of that, <coughs> and you've got Disney on the ropes, and we're going to talk about that, you've got Disney on the ropes, you've got Pixar dying, Skydance is coming on strong because they've got John Lasseter, 
Sony is coming in with their with the with the Nintendo Cinematic Universe. <clears throat> there are more options, and I think people are going to look at it and go, "Oh, hey, this is not Disney. I'm going to go see it." You'll have some of that too. And it's the weekend. It's Easter weekend. Families are all getting together, and hey, let's let's all go to the movies. Well, what's out? Well, this one looks fun. It's something we can take the kids to see because they like. Hey, it's a me, a Mario. Because I, I mean, my kid played Mario on the Wii. I mean, this is this this franchise has been around for ever. So it's multi generational, not just not just my generation of people that have played Mario games, but my kids' generation have played Mario games. And <clears throat> that generation is getting of an age that they're having kids too. They're starting to have kids and you're gonna take them it's a fun movie. It Mario will likely be a billion dollar film. One point two maybe. That's that's a wild guess. 1.2 billion. 1.3. D&D won't be that bi- that big. <laughs> D&D will be respectable. It'll be a success. I think it'll break even. That's my guess. John Wick will be another billion dollar baby. And it will start to clear the decks a little bit and open things up to people people feeling like we can go back to the movie even if it's not a Marvel movie. Even if it's not a superhero movie. Even if it's not Disney. Because they've been dominating the theaters for a while. Now, also consider too that if you get you know this Nintendo, uh, this Nintendo Cinematic Universe, you've got all sorts of characters from all sorts of franchises. Any of the any of the Nintendo games, those could all show up, and and you know you get this Smash Brothers type of scenario, which is going to be helped by the fact that. Warner Brothers just shut theirs down. <coughs> Excuse me. We reported on this this weekend. Uh, news broke last week. Uh, Warner Brothers Games is shutting down the open beta of Multiversus as of June 25th. And they say they're going to reopen it in, in 2024. <clears throat> but in the meantime you won't have access to anything that you've saved or stored or, or anything like that. At least that's how I read it. You may have limited access to a few things, stuff that you've downloaded. But as far as being able to play online, as of June 25th, that's gone. Open beta is closed. And, you know, we've learned a lot of things and we're going to do some adjustments and retooling and whatnot. But, you know, people haven't been playing that game. I think Multiverses is done. And if that's the case, then Warner Brothers doesn't have that resource that they can turn around and use for, you know, farming IP as easily. I mean, you've got the Lego movies and the Lego movies do a little bit of that because you get Batman and 
Star Wars and Harry Potter and all those different franchises that Lego has licensed. So that's a possibility. But Nintendo and Sony, they've got them all. They already have them. It's, it's theirs. And it would be a whole lot easier to start moving, moving in and out between various different uh, universes. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Hello, Bianca in the chat over on Rumble. <coughs> Good to see you there. All right, who we got over here? We got we got MS, we got Mantuine, uh I saw Keeley, Dave, Jay. Uh, let's see here. Well, Jay, Jay had a comment earlier. We were talking about being old. Uh, Jay says, I'm a grumpy curmudgeon. An extra hour would be nice, but needing to subscribe to another platform to watch it now. No, well, it's, it's not a... <clears throat> It doesn't cost anything, though, um, because uh, <clears throat> the here's why I'm thinking exclusive to Rubble and Odyssey, at least for a little bit, is to build up the audiences on those on those platforms, because there could come a time in the future. Some sometime in in 1984, there could come a time when we're talking about a topic that is verboten on YouTube. In which case, we're not going to have an option. <clears throat> I'm just trying to lay the groundwork a little bit to build up those other video platforms because even with even with 2,366 subscribers on YouTube. There's not a whole lot of interaction. I mean, right now I'm looking at the no, I'm I'm looking at the stream, and there is ten people watching, out of two thousand three hundred sixty-six. So you know, some people will come in and watch it after the fact, and that's fine. Some people will watch in fits and starts, and they'll watch the little piece and the little piece here and that, and that's fine, but. Rumble, especially, but Odyssey as well, that gives us another outlet, another way to find people, because there are people that have said, I'm not on, I'm not doing YouTube ever again. I'm not watching anything on YouTube. Now, there's not a lot of those people, <coughs> but as YouTube continues to censor people, I'm just hedging my bets. That's, that's all. All right. Speaking of hedging bets, who wants to lay odds how the shareholders meeting is going to go? Because <laughs> that's coming up today. We'll talk about that when we get back right after this. Broadcasting from a device built by a teenage genius using leftover parts from an erector set. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. That's a huge question and one that I would rather not answer, but I'm going to answer it. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. I was just kind of noodling on this very idea, so it's funny you bring it up. Good question. That's a great question. I love this question. Yeah. That's a good question. Count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. It's a really good question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good Morning Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. 
I will get as much mileage as I can out of the floating dinosaur. Because we have a floating dinosaur. Welcome back everybody. We are live from the bunker. And I I got to I got to say <clears throat> today is going to be an interesting uh, an interesting thing. Um, now we talk about second hour. This is this is something that's going to be happening this afternoon. So we're not going to cover it live. I'm going to pay attention to it. Uh, but the uh, annual meeting of the shareholders is today. Starting at 1 p.m. E oh, wait. What? Is it going on now? Is it going on now? I think I read that wrong because for some reason I thought that it was... Uh, it is. It is. Shall we join them in progress? I misread the time. I thought it was going to be this afternoon. Let's, let's to promote the 2020 stolen election conspiracy theory. <gasps> Disney shareholders need to be reassured that the company is spending its political dollars wisely and in alignment with its core principles and interests. That is the purpose of the report requested in this proposal. It is not a heavy lift, and it would incentivize careful scrutiny, wiser decision making, and accountability to shareholders. Oh, I think Please we come in favor of item number seven on your ballot. Thank you. I think we came in at, a, at, a, at an Thank interesting you. time. The board of directors has recommended a vote against this proposal for the reasons set out in the proxy statement. I would ask the inspector of election to give us his report based on proxies received by the opening of the polls at today's meeting. See, now this is, this is, this is what, we, what we get for joining in progress, because I'm not sure what item number seven is on this thing. Item one, the election of directors. We have received proxies voting for each director representing at least 91% of the votes cast. For item two, ratification of the appointment of PricewaterhouseCoopers, we have received proxies for 94% of shares voting to approve the appointment. For item three, relating to executive compensation, we have received proxies uh -huh. for 86% of shares voting to approve the resolution, 11% voting against the resolution, and less than 3% abstaining. For item four, relating to the frequency of votes on executive compensation, we have received proxies for 98% of shares voting to approve holding an annual vote. Yeah, Cam, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what those political, political China, dollars are. We have received proxies for 7% of shares voting to approve their proposal. China? 89% voting against the proposal and less than 4% oh? abstaining. Oh? For item 6 relating to charitable contributions disclosure, we have received proxies for 7% of shares voting to approve the proposal, 92% voting against the proposal, and less than 1% abstaining. For item 7... Relating to a political expenditures report, we have received proxies for 36% of shares voting to approve the proposal, 63% voting against the proposal, and less than 1% abstaining. I wonder what that, that means. That concludes my report, Mr. Gutierrez. I wonder what that means. Thank you. The polls will now close. Based on that report, and subject to the counting of the ballots presented at the meeting and final confirmation of voting results by the inspector of election, I declare that all the nominees for election to the board have been duly elected, that the appointment of PricewaterhouseCoopers has been duly ratified, 
that the advisory resolution on executive compensation is approved, that the advisory resolution to hold votes on executive compensation annually is approved, that the first shareholder proposal is not approved, that the second shareholder proposal is not approved, huh. and that the third shareholder proposal is not approved. So, so the, the shareholders final will be included in the form 8K that will be filed. If I'm if I'm hearing this right, item number seven, apparently, I'm I'm guessing here. It sounds like item number seven had something to do with disclosing money spent on political causes by the company. And it got thank you, Horacio. Uh, we're now going to take defeated. the first question. Oh, here we oh here we go. Thank you. Here we go. During today's question and answer session, your questions will be taken over the phone. Just in time. Only one question should be asked and stated as briefly as possible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are listening to the Walt Disney Company shareholder meeting. If your original live. His first question comes from Corey Borgstad from Lubbock, Texas. Please go ahead. Oh, this is Hi, my name is Corey, and I'm a shareholder from Arizona. Disney Plus has become a place where fans can find diverse stories from the characters we have come to know and love. But do you think there ever will be a time where there becomes too much content to the point where it becomes overwhelming for the viewer and the content doesn't always live up to the Disney quality standards? So are we making too much? So, Corey, first of all, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say welcome back. I know you have an incredible track record of attending these meetings and asking questions. I think probably getting back to the time you were in early elementary school. So it's certainly nice to hear from you. Uh, we are probably one of the world's largest creators of content. Um, but when we decide to make uh, content or tell stories, our aim always is quality. And I must admit, sometimes <laughs> volume can be um, tricky uh, in terms of tricky. maintaining quality. Tricky? And I think there is a limit in terms of what can be made or what should be made something that we're always mindful of. So I'm proud of our track record in terms of what we've made and the quality of it, but I'm also mindful that sometimes the more is not necessarily the merrier. And? And? And our next question today comes from Carmine Perone. That wasn't really an answer. Please go ahead. Was it? Uh, thanks for taking my question, and uh, thanks, Mr. Iger, for taking on this challenge that you agreed to in November and your work thus far and in the future. My question is, in the second quarter of uh, last year, the company spent $1 billion to essentially buy back licensed content to stream exclusively on our properties. To return, you've emphasized the focus on producing content for the DTC platforms, mainly from the core four. DTC like is direct-to-consumer. Potentially licensing undifferentiated content from other own studios and IP, or possibly producing new content for others out of these creative outlets. Could you share what content required the $1 billion last year, and whether we can expect any future revenue derived from producing content for others, and if so, when we might hear about this? And as a, on a lighter note... If you could somehow swing getting the Marvel theme park rights east of the Mississippi back from Comcast during the Hulu negotiations, that would be great. <laughs> so he's basically asking about Disney making other stuff to sell to people. We would love to be able to do more with Marvel uh, in our parks, but I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Uh, regarding your first question, the primary shift that occurred in terms of licensing content to third parties came when we determined that 
uh, the core strategy of the company going forward from a media's perspective would be and should be streaming. And in order to uh, essentially Which is a mistake. the goal of getting into the streaming business very successfully, we felt we had to take control back of the content that we had licensed to third parties. At that point, most of it was going to Netflix. Um, and we actually enjoyed a good relationship with them over the time that we licensed content for them. But we licensed very valuable content, content we felt that we absolutely needed in order to launch streaming successfully. And that's exactly what happened. So the shift that you suggest from a financial perspective was so that we could get into the streaming business at a significant level, which we've actually done. And we're proud of our track record so far, although we realize that we have uh, challenges ahead of us, namely uh, to get to profitability. Yeah, I see, okay, so acknowledging that the, that the streaming is not profitable yet, and, and this is exactly right, they pulled, they pulled a bunch of stuff back in-house to put on Disney+, Plus, and it worked for a while. I mean, you had The Mandalorian launched for, for, D, for, for Disney+, Plus to start with, to sell, and they got a lot of people signed up for it. But they haven't been able to keep it them. From Sharon Plum, from Retention is a big thing to profitability, and they're not profitable yet. Hello, Sharon. Your line is open. Nope. And it looks like we're having some audio difficulties there, so we'll go to our next question, which comes from Dwight Morgan from California. Please go ahead. I wonder Good if morning, they vet Bob. these questions Welcome ahead of time. Back. Uh, I'm a long-term shareholder and a big Disney fan, D23 member, pin trader, pass holder. But 15 years ago in Albuquerque was the first time we met. We had a conversation which continued then in Oakland a year later and culminated in an announcement in San Antonio in 2010, though I wasn't present at that meeting, the premier passport. Okay, this is a parks question. It was well received. Ten years later, 2020, it disappeared without announcement at all. So I tried to renew mine. I had no clue it was no longer available. My attendance at the virtual meeting that year was terminated when my call was dropped for some reason as oh. the meeting began. He's got a bone to pick. When I called back. I received a recording stating that my ID was already in use, so I missed the opportunity <laughs> to ask the other Bob why that pass was gone. The other Bob. I called in in 2021 and asked Bob why the Premier Pass had been eliminated. His response was, it has. And he <laughs> went on to the next call without explanation. I listened to the uh, first quarter shareholder meeting uh, call in February, and you spoke of reducing annual pass access. And that made some sense, but could be made to work even that, that could be made to work with the Premier Pass. So my question is threefold. Do I have to start all over? Or can you help tell me when I can renew my Premier Pass? And why should those of us who are true fanatics be punished and restricted when the repair, Premier Pass worked so well? Ouch. Thanks for your time, and again, welcome back. Here, welcome well, back. Let me, all, let me hit you, you with a, with a problem. Attending uh, one of our shareholder meetings again. 
I know that we've had a lot of interaction over the years, and I appreciate both your interest in Disney and, of I, course, your patronage. I'm, I'm wondering how long this uh, is going to go today. I this when I came back. Actually, I think anticipating that I would get a question from you on the subject, so I guess I was correct in that regard. And what I discovered was that you are one of very few cast uh, or, or people who are actually interested in such a pass. And because demand for that kind of pass is so limited, it didn't make sense for the companies to support it. There was cost associated with supporting it, and we simply just didn't have enough interest to justify it. It's just that simple. We, we appreciate the fact that you're interested in visiting all of our parks. We actually believe that they're all accessible in varying ways, and the Premier Pass didn't really achieve all that much in terms of accessibility. But again, I just want to say that you're one of a few that are interested in it, and that wasn't enough to justify us keeping it going. Now, that, that actually makes it. a certain amount of sense. If we're Next spending question. money on something that's not doing anything... It's like we say, abort or pivot. You make an adjustment. And again, I reiterate, welcome back. Um, as a financial advisor here in Melbourne, Florida, only about an hour from uh, Walt Disney World, what steps have already been taken or will be taken to protect shareholder value with regard to the legal battle between Disney and, and Ron DeSantis and the and the Reedy Creek Improvement District. We're Ooh, kind of all we concerned about that here for tax purposes. My son lives in Orlando, and he's worried about his taxes going up. And, and again, that plays Alan, into this whole, me, uh, if you don't mind, you're going to pay more taxes because of this I deal. I haven't really done much publicly, but I'd love the opportunity just to put it all in perspective. First of all, and I, I know you're, you said you're a resident, I think, of Melbourne, Florida. We love the state of Florida, and, and I think that's reflected in not only how much we've invested over the last 50 years, but how much we've given back in the form of jobs and community service, taxes, which you brought up, tourism, of course, and all sorts of other responsible business practices. Uh -huh. We've also always respected and appreciated what the state has done for us. It's, it's kind of been a two-way street. Sure, a they give you a, a sweet a deal. Pending Florida legislation. And while the company may have not handled the position that it took very well, mm. a company has a right to freedom of speech just like individuals do. And obviously, in taking the position, <laughs> the governor got very angry about the position Disney took and it seems like he's decided to retaliate against us, including the naming of a new board to oversee the property and the business. In effect, to seek to punish a company for its exercise of a constitutional right. Oh, and that just seems come really on. wrong to me. Uh, oh, anybody, come on. But particularly against the company that means so much to the state that you live in. Okay. Uh, to put that in perspective, the Reedy Creek District was there because the Walt Disney Company was originally going to build the city of the future. What they haven't done, they haven't delivered on the promise of what was set up for the original deal. Here alone, about eight million of them from outside the U.S., and we are the largest taxpayer in the state. And you may find this interesting. And, and that's fine. Pay your taxes, Bob. Taxes, but. We're currently planning now to invest over $17 billion in Walt Disney World over the next 10 years. And those investments, we estimate, will create 13,000 new Disney jobs and thousands of other indirect jobs. And they'll also attract more people to the state and generate more taxes. And so our point on this is that any action that thwarts those efforts simply to retaliate for a position the company took 
sounds not just anti-business, but it sounds anti-Florida. Wow. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. What a way to mischaracterize that whole thing. Now, that's a politician talking. That's Bob Iger getting ready to run for office again. Good morning, Bob, and thank you for coming back after a successful You know he's going to do that. You know he's going to try to run for president because the field right now is wide open. Regarding the, the, the last question brought up, I just... I disagree that Disney has an obligation to take political positions. There we go. Here we go. That are detrimental to the overall company. It's just Amen. pointless. But anyway, setting setting that aside. Uh, no, don't set that aside. About go after it. Concentrating on the streaming service going forward as a, a primary business front. I just did some quick calculations that if there are 100 million households in America, and we get 100% of them at $7 a month times 12 months, that's $8 billion a year, less than 10% of the revenue of the Walt Disney Corporation. In other words, it's a capped amount. It's like the number of heads of hair a barber can cut is is finite. There's not more hours in the day. So I, I'm questioning the, the comments you also made about, and since you brought up their name, I'll bring it up to Netflix, which has produced volumes of second tier content. And I can only say that my own watch list has 400 or 4,000 things I'm going to watch later, but I never seem to get to it. Having gone through the video store business in the 1980s and seeing how the uh, video store business was destroyed, not by Netflix, but rather by oversupply of content to the consumers overwhelming their ability to make choices and so i I would just ask you to uh, reevaluate that because it's not playing the infinite game it's playing a finite game there's only a finite number of households that can pay seven dollars a month for disney plus excellent point um, excellent point is, is it wise for the company to take political positions that set to satisfy a very small portion of the people when our primary mission is entertainment, not education. Okay. Well, Raymond, first of all, I, I respect uh, your position on this and appreciate your No, question. you don't. No, um, you don't. And I, li- I would like to address that. I, look, first of all, as the CEO of the company, I think my job is to strive to do what I think is best for our business. And that includes doing best what's best for our cast members or our employees. And, and what will enable both to flourish. I don't think we should or can weigh in on every issue. And I also understand there are going to be gray areas. There are going to be times when we decide to weigh in on an issue that we believe is worthy of debate because of its relevance and importance to our business or to our employees. And there are, there are times when I actually believe we shouldn't. Except there hasn't been debate, that, really. That we alone have to determine whether, when, or or how to weigh in on, a, on an issue, whether it's private or public, of course, with the standard that when we take a position on those matters, there's a true reason why we have. And in almost all cases, it has to be, be because uh-huh. it, uh, it directly affects uh, our business or our people. And I think if you look back, you know, for decades... The way he's stumbling, this doesn't sound like it's a scripted, planned answer. Both right and wrong. And our country, I think, is better Which I think is interesting. ...for that. And this was evident during the civil rights era, as I recall, as a child, when a lot of companies weighed in on injustices that they saw in America. It was certainly true during World War II when those that stood in silence, in some ways, still weigh... uh, still... 
um, you know, carry the stain of indifference. So as long as I'm in the job, I'm going to continue to be guided by a sense of decency and, and respect and trust our instincts that when we do weigh in, we weigh in because the issue is truly relevant to our business and to the people that work for us. Uh, now, Ma Mazers, we have not heard a, a question about hey, Kennedy sir, yet, not question, from shareholders. Hey, from Chris Ohoro with, from Florida. And yes, I saw the I, I saw the Blue Beetle trailer. I don't know Hang if on. you remember me or not. I've spoken to a couple of meetings. I've um, been with the company for 34 years. I opened Disney MGM Studios and Indiana Jones show. I was at Indiana Jones for, show for 30 years. Now I'm at Galaxy's Edge. It's pretty cool. I'm at Gesture uh, Rec Tech. I make our characters help them out talking. Oh, this and, is um, this is I an employee. Also, thank you for the support you're showing our cast members. We, I really appreciate the stuff you just have said, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. The reason why I really have called is that uh, in 2022, I was uh, at my cast center, and you guys had a tent set up, and you had information, and they were talking about CastLink helping cast members, and they were talking about a program called Backup um, Care Service, and. Um, Later that year, my mother got cancer. She was a 17-year member, uh, cast member too, in Central Reservation Center. And um, so this is a benefits question. Um, she retired from the company after 17 years, doing guest service for cast for um, Central Reservations. And um, her condition got worse and worse. So while while they're talking about this one, uh, the. Uh the uh, uh, the Blue Beetle trailer. Yes, there's a joke in there about yo Batman's a fascist. This is this is uh, George Lopez's character. It's it's I it, it just feels like a throwaway line. It feels like a gag that's out of context. So just hey, this is kind of what we're talking about. Don't be so quick to jump to conclusions. Um, the rest of the trailer looks pretty good. I'm, eh, it, it's you know, I'd prefer Ted Cord if we're going to get a Blue Beetles movie, but you know, it 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 feels like it's one of the it feels like the punchline to something we haven't seen. So it's it, it, it it's out of context in the trailer. So just just hang tight. It might be okay. Very focused on offering support for the children of cast members, daycare centers, et cetera. And uh, someone in our HR department raised the fact that we also have an uh, obligation to our parents often, our aging parents in particular. At the time, I had lost my dad and my, my mother had Alzheimer's. And I just remember it, I, it, it, it really hit home, that issue hit home. And we decided to extend our support uh, to our cast members for elder care as well as well as child. I want somebody so, to ask him about the the comparison between what Gina Carano posted and what Pedro Pascal posted. Because what Pedro Pascal posted was reprehensible to me. Um, to answer your question, I can have that discussion with Josh tomorrow and the team. We're looking at a number of different opportunities for us to improve. Josh tomorrow is in charge of parks, by the way. Not only. Um, you know, make sure that they have access to, uh, you know, the, what they want to have access to when they come in. Um, but basically to make sure that as many as possible also have that access. So anyway, I, I haven't had the discussion about it. I doubt it's something that we're, we're considering seriously. But given the fact that you asked the question, I will bring it up. Thank you very much. Somebody should ask him about Sparrow. Question today comes from William Russell from New York. Pop, have you tracked down Sparrow yet? Do you know who Bluebird is yet? Hello, Bob. I'd like to address what I view as the elephant in the room. 
Over the last few years, oh. Disney has turned from a place of magic for children to an ideological company serving LGBTQIA+, however many other letters you want to add to that, lobbies, to groom children. Over and over again, we see how your films and entertainment are increasingly promoting the woke agenda. Here we go. How can you explain to parents worldwide that you recently celebrated 100 years of history by collaborating with the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus to produce an LGBTQIA+, themed Disney musical? This is a group who have explicitly stated that they want to indoctrinate children. They literally sang a concert, and they sang the words, we will convert your children quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Disney chose to collaborate with these predators to sing to children. How can you explain to parents worldwide that over the next few months, dozens of highly sexualized gay pride parades will take place in Disneyland parks worldwide, the exact places where they used to take their children for fun? Are you surprised that Disney's audience has plummeted, losing 2.4 million subscribers in the last quarter? Parents have simply had it up to here. No wonder you were laying off 7,000 employees from today, in addition to the other thousands last year. No wonder Disney's stock value dropped more than 30% over one year. As a Disney shareholder, I have a simple question. Would it not be beneficial for the company to ditch the LGBTQIA plus and gender ideology for good? If you are really interested in refloating Disney, please turn Disney back to the apolitical fun place that it used to be. And I bet that you'll win back both the trust of families and the stock market. Shots fired. Shots fired. Oh, thank you uh, very much for your question. I know you were talking about more than just content. You were talking about experiences that we provide to people, which we actually pride ourselves on being accessible to all people. It's not uh, about me, accessibility, Bob. It's not about accessibility. Perspective here too. Uh, you know that our company is celebrating its hundredth year uh, this year, and we've been and not doing anything Walt Disney stood for. Inspiring families from all over the world, and we're extremely proud of the positive impact we've had on billions of people over that hundred-year period of time, and for generations. I'm really surprised the they didn't that drop that call. People's hearts, because they've. They've been infused with with right values. They've celebrated heroes and emphasized the value of family and friendship. Uh, They've instilled a steady faith in the belief that good triumphs over evil, uh, that uh, tomorrow is always brighter than today. Um, And I think those stories have had an amazingly positive impact on the world, a world that always loves and needs great stories. Dance, great entertainment, Particularly in today's world. And we've recently gotten criticism, as you just expressed, for what some perceive to be agenda-driven content, it's and not just—it's not just criticism. You're losing money. Needs to be to entertain, and then through our entertainment to continue to have a positive impact on the world. And I'm, I'm very serious about that. It should not be agenda-driven. It should be entertainment-driven. BS. That should be the goal in all of our stories. And while I know we're just never going to please everyone all the time, we should be sensitive to the fact that parents have different levels of comfort with the content that is delivered to their children. I want, I want parents to be able to trust the content that we're creating for their children, and we're committed to delivering age-appropriate content for family audiences while also telling stories that reflect the world around us uh-huh. and that foster a greater understanding, greater perspective, greater acceptance of all people. Do you know, do you know the percentage... Do you know the percentage, the actual percentage of people who identify with this category of people, this class of people? It's minuscule. And wonder for, for everyone. Thank you very much. 
He didn't. He didn't answer anything. Thank you. And our next question today comes from Bruno Rusciutti, Worcester <laughs> Metro Detroit. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jane C. Garcia, serving as proxy for Bruno Ricuti. He had to step out for a moment. So I would like to uh, say that uh, good morning from uh, the comeback city of Detroit, Michigan. We would like to um, commend Disney for their commitment to diversity and inclusion throughout the organization. Quick! Get an ally up there fast! And in your upper management. It was great to hear Mr. Gutierrez address everyone this morning. And um, we Quick, find us, find us an ally. Find us an ally. Find us somebody who will prop us up. That Disney serves. This should be a benchmark for other The fact that this is a proxy for that person means it maybe they moved this question up. Get her on, get her on, get her on quick. Underserved communities throughout the world, especially in the U.S., and we truly, truly appreciate the efforts that, that Disney provides to make a brighter world for everyone. <laughs> Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. And then we're looking forward to a brighter 2023. Checkbox. Get a shield. Quick, get a shield. Uh, get a Jane, shield. Thank you very much. That was actually, uh, it wasn't really a question. Uh, it was a comment that we really appreciate. Uh, obviously, diversity has do. been um, a, a, a real priority for us, not just as a company in terms of our employees, but also obviously reflected in the content that we make and reflected in in, in, in the Walt Disney Board of Directors. It was a, a true a priority of our board some years back. So I guess we're going into our second hour, folks. Content best reflects the world that we're trying to reach, <laughs> that our board also reflects the world that we do business in. And we love the fact that you recognize that and appreciate it. And I think it is a great way to end this meeting. I'd like to express oh. my appreciation uh, for all the questions that were asked and those that were Here in we attendance. Go. Obviously, Done. my appreciation to all the great people that work for this company and make it what it is. And my appreciation to the Walt Disney Board of Directors. As I said in my opening comments, I agree, Stephanie. If this was being if this was being streamed on YouTube right now, the ratio would be incredible. Thank you all very much. Thank you for attending today's all right, presentation. That's it. You may now, now disconnect. Yeah, we now disconnect. All right, we're going to disconnect now. To be fair, these calls generally last about an hour. And they started at uh, they started at the same time we did, so uh, you know we we caught in there. But man, that question! I am sitting there thinking, how did they how did they let him how did they let him through? How did they let him get finished asking that question? Because that was that was shots fired, folks. That was somebody who's sitting there now. Okay, let me let me uh, let me set set this scenario here for you. Because in marketing, in advertising, in network television, and this goes all the way back, <clears throat> because uh, I will I will remind you of the various different letter writing campaigns that have saved television shows. B. Jo Trimble and her husband John did it for Star Trek. There was a letter writing campaign that saved Cagney and Lacey. There was a there was a campaign that saved Jericho. You know, these things happen when the fans organize. This is all pre-social media, by the way. The fans organize and they write letters. Now, generally, the accepted uh, uh, common knowledge was that if I got I'm I'm corporate big wig muckety muck right and we get a letter from somebody complaining about our product 
the general accepted notion was that this one letter from this one person represents a whole group of people that feel the same way. 5,500, 5,000, depending on what it is, what the numbers were, what the assumptions were. So if I've got somebody sitting here complaining about my widget, then I can, I can reasonably assume that there are hundreds of people out there, maybe thousands of people out there, who have the same complaint about the widget, but they're not saying anything to me. You know, they have not sent me a strongly worded letter like my dad sends. Conversely, if you have people that are sitting there saying, we like your widget, here's why we like your widget, we would like more of these kind of widgets, please. Same kind of thing. They're going to have... This one letter represents a great number of people who are not communicating with the company. And you see it now with the, the petition to get Star Trek Legacy in production. We want more of what Terry Metalis is doing, please. So this one guy who comes in here and essentially just kind of destroys the narrative and basically says, hey, Bob. Y'all are killing the company that we own shares. When are you going to decide that we're going to have to, you know, focus on making a profit again instead of, you know, spitting affirmations to the alphabet soup crowd? He's not alone. He's not he's not the outlier. I would expect that there are thousands of shareholders who feel the same way. And I wonder, I wonder, if they were, see, this is, this is my thing, if they were vetting questions, and I don't know that they were, but if they were vetting questions, what if this guy comes in and says, well, I'm going to ask a question about this. And he gets on there, and instead of asking a question about this, he asks the question about the other thing. I'm really going to lay the bomb right here. And by the time he gets through that, the people running things are like, well, we can't cut him off because, well, that looked like. We got to let him finish. We got to let him finish right so you, uh, you got these people running the call they're having a conniption fit quick who have we got that can be a be a, a, a counter to this you know they're scrambling behind the scenes while bob's spinning like a top that question obliterated everything that that Iger's trying to set up I want to see what the stock price does over the next week because it's up from where it was, but it's still not doing great. Here's today. Just, just today's track has it down. The five-day track, it's up from where it was five days ago, but today it's going down. And I have to wonder... If it's going to continue to go down. 
By the way, we did get news out of that call. We are going to get a live-action Moana uh, film with uh, Dwayne Johnson coming back, I guess, to play the same character he played in the cartoon. So there is that. Uh, that's that's coming up. So anyway, uh, Stephanie for four ninety nine. Did they drop it early? If so, L O L. <coughs> or as Mindy would say, lol, which is not a word. <clears throat> but uh, I'm I'm sure I I don't I don't know that they necessarily ended the call early, but I would guess, and this is a guess, this is absolutely a guess that that last call was not the supposed to be the last call. I think there was a quick get something to prop us up. So, anyway. I hear uh I hear senior office dog barking in the background. So, we got we're past our hour anyway. I guess we're not getting a second hour. I, I let me um man, there's so much stuff here for for things. Tell tell you what, let me let me do this. If everybody would indulge me for just a moment, let me go see what the dog is barking about because he sounds rather agitated. And we'll we'll do a little bit of a second we'll we'll kind of go into a second hour because I want to talk about the other stuff that Disney is dealing with now with the Jonathan Majors thing and the Victoria Alonso thing. So can 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 we can we hang for a second here? Give me two shakes. Let me refill my coffee mug, find out what the dog's barking about. Um, do I have any music to play? I don't have any music to play. Just hold tight. Just a second. Let me, I, I'll be right back. Um, what is it that Ethan Ethan did? A chair stream? Uh, do we do a chair stream? Y'all can't see my chair, though. This You see my chair in this shot. I'll be right back. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. So, um, <laughs> it's funny that you should ask that. It's a great question. That is an awesome question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for Me to be there asking all of the questions. It's a good question. It's a great question. <laughs> Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. I don't think I answered any of your questions. I'm bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. It was not senior office dog barking. It was guest office dog. Jack's come over for a visit. So anyway, anyway. all right. Here's here's what I want to do real quick. I want to I want to look at because this this comes in. Uh, this comes in. This this uh, call comes in after we've got. The um, the lawsuit from Karen McCarthy against Lucasfilm, that's sitting out there. 
we have Victoria Alonso threatening a lawsuit because of her, her, her getting fired. And now we've got the Jonathan Majors thing. And I haven't had a chance to talk about the Jonathan Majors thing, but I want to do that for a second. Let's go back here in time. Get the Wayback Machine. Jonathan Majors. This, this, this story broke not this past weekend, but the week before. The weekend before. We were doing Good Evening Multiverse when this story broke. That he had been arrested and charged for alleged assault with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. Apparently they had an altercation in a taxi Friday night. She ended up going to the hospital. And because of the nature of the the incident and, and the fact that there were visible signs of, of an altercation on her at the hospital, that triggers an automatic arrest. That's how New York has this set up. So he's arrested, and then you've got the attorneys sitting there going, no, 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 it, it, was, it was not a thing. And they release text messages and whatnot, and they say they have video uh, exonerating majors. Now, majors have been hit with a number of, of charges, and as far as I know, they're still, they're still pending. They're still out there. I mean, he's, he's, they ha- I haven't seen anything that the charges have been dropped yet. So there's that. Now, the U.S. Army has taken all of the stuff that Majors is in for their new campaign, their new ad campaign, and have reworked them because it's, again, you got March Madness, you got all the basketball stuff, and the Army is the sponsor. So they had to rework this stuff really quick to get him out. And there's some speculation that this is kind of a Me Too type of thing to get Majors canceled i'm not saying that's the case innocent until proven guilty unless we apply the pelosi doctrine but he's you know he's he's facing some trouble right now right so you've got uh uh then vox weighs in that not only is he you know facing the charges from that weekend with the girlfriend in the taxi but also now other stuff is coming out Right, so now it feels like a hit piece. Now it feels like we're going after Major's reputation. Why? I'm not saying that's the case, but it starts to build up because then you got people coming online. You say, "Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he he was a he was a terrible person to me too." And did this, you know, ha- has this become another Johnny Depp situation, possibly? I'm not saying it is. I'm asking the question: Is that possible? Now, this is, uh, you know, several assault and harassment charges that were filed. <coughs> you know, and all of these, all of these are, you know, pretty not good, and it's not a good look for Disney because this is the bad guy. For phase four and phase five, phase five and phase six, rather, you know, he's he's supposed to be the new Thanos. He's supposed to be the guy that carries, essentially carries the threat in the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. So what happens? Because 
he's not in as many protected class checkbox categories as Ezra Miller is. <clears throat> Let's note. But what happens if Majors is actually convicted of whatever these charges are? Some of them are misdemeanors. I don't, I don't know how many of them are misdemeanors versus felonies. And uh, the text messages that apparently have been released have her sitting there saying, you know, I'll, I'll, I, they told me they weren't going to arrest you, but I'll work on it from this end and see if we can get you get, get the whole thing dropped. So maybe this all goes away. Unless it doesn't. In which case, the Walt Disney Company and Marvel Studios has to make a choice. What do we do? What, what, well, how do we move forward if it turns out that he's convicted of a crime? Now, that assumes that it goes to trial. But it just seems like the hits keep on coming for the Walt Disney Company, doesn't it? Now, this Reedy Creek thing, <clears throat> apparently there's a hiccup in the Reedy Creek bit because they apparently made some sort of a last-minute 11th-hour deal that has uh, re- that's, that's basically handed over. The Reedy Creek board essentially handed over control of the district to the Walt Disney Company. So now it's going to the courts... Because the governor, you know, Governor DeSantis signed this thing that said we're setting up a new board and a thing, but Reedy Creek apparently pulled a fast one and said, no, not so fast. We don't have authority over Disney anymore. Disney's got it. So we'll have to see what happens there because this this actually now comes into being a court battle uh, more than anything else because... Um, Sneaky? Sneaky, I guess you could say. Because here's the here's the article. This is from ClickOrlando.com. How Disney stripped power from Florida Governor DeSantis' special district board. Uh, after board members recited the Pledge of Allegiance and approved the previous meeting's minutes, the board's president took up the first two of first of two agenda items that would ultimately give Disney enormous control over the development of its resort property while stripping away the special district's future power. On the very same day, hundreds of miles away in Tallahassee, Florida, lawmakers were meeting during a special legislative session to consider a bill that would replace Reedy Creek's Disney Control Board with a panel appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, quote, our first action today is to suspend our board meeting and open a public hearing for a second and final reading concerning the developer's agreement that we reviewed at the last meeting, Reedy Creek Board President Larry Hames said. Less than one minute later, with no detailed discussion and no spectators responding to Hames' invitation for public comment, the five-member board unanimously approved the agreement that gives the Walt Disney World parks and resorts more control over how it develops its property. So basically, they're trying to grandfather in, we're going to give all of this power and authority to the Walt Disney Company so that the governor can't take it. And I'm not sure that it works that way. I'm not a lawyer. Um, uh, 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 Andrew from Legal Mindset has gone over this with uh, Valiant Renegade. I have not had a chance to watch that video yet. 
But this doesn't seem like it. Uh, this doesn't seem like it's kosher a little bit to me. This feels like shenanigans to me. And that's that's what the Walt Disney Company does, right? The Walt Disney Company is all full of shenanigans. But you have all of these different PR hits. You know, you've got the battle with Florida. You've got the Reedy Creek thing. You've got the the parental rights and education bill argument. You've got the the gay pride parades and, and the LGBTQ big event thing that the call, that that shareholder called and talked about. You have uh, Jonathan Majors going through what he's got to go through. You have the failure of Phase Four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have Victoria Alonso getting fired and threatening a lawsuit. You have Karen McCarthy suing Lucasfilm. You have reports, and I don't know if any of this is true, but according to Sparrow on the inside of Lucasfilm Disney, you have uh, the rumor, there is a report that the face-to-face meeting between Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy from Friday a week ago did not go well, uh, was not uh, favorable to Kathleen Kennedy, and apparently she's been put on notice the word is she's been put on notice that if Indiana Jones 5 does not make a profit, then she's going to be fired. Her head will roll rather than just let her exit gracefully. They'll walk her out. And we can all hope, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to fire her. They'll figure out some way to exit her without too much embarrassment. But Indiana Jones 5 has been confirmed will premiere at Cannes Film Festival. And they're going to do this big event for Harrison Ford. And that sounds like, let's take the attention off of Kathleen Kennedy. Because remember, Star Wars Celebration was supposed to be big retirement party for Kathy. Who knows if that's going to happen now. Because we not only have Sparrow saying that Kennedy's job is on the line, but Jeff Snyder, when he was over on the Hot Mike podcast with John Roca a couple of weeks ago, he said it too. He's hearing it. And I would imagine those are independent sources. So you get two different, two different directions that story is coming from now that Kathleen Kennedy's position is tenuous, more tenuous than it was at least. And we can hope that Iger is willing to follow through on that threat. We can hope. You know, I really wish my camera would stick to the same color scheme and, and, and stop switching back and forth on the white balance. That's just so annoying. I guess I'm going to have to get a better camera. <coughs> but that's okay. That's okay. And look, we, we use what resources we've got here. And we're grateful because, you know, I get to show off on the different streams where I appear. I get to show off the Batcave and I impress everybody. I take my victories where I can get them. I guess. I don't know. It just it just seems like there's all sorts of things here that Disney has to worry about. Bob Iger has to worry about. And for that shareholder call to come through, I wonder if that was I, I wonder if that was allowed or if that was sneaked in and they freaked out. Because it really does feel like they did a last minute. Get somebody else! (laughs) 
You love to see it, right? I would like to see the Walt Disney Company. I mean, well, not, not to mention, I forgot to even mention Ike Perlmutter being let go. Ike Perlmutter, who sold Marvel Comics to Disney for $4 billion back in the day. And not only that, but you also have Kevin Feige, who might be in trouble. Because if Kathleen Kennedy, who has not made a gajillion dollars for Disney, if Kathleen Kennedy's job has been secure up until this point just because of who she is, and now it's not, and you have Victoria Alonso getting fired... And her reputation is being dragged right now because of all of the visual effects stuff and, and what we're hearing about all of that. And the fact that she didn't want to uh, uh, censor the LGBTQ stuff in, in Ant-Man to, for overseas markets. And so they had to outsource that, which means more money. <coughs> so now you've got... Kevin Feige's position is probably a little bit less secure because Bob Iger has just shown he's willing to fire anybody. Ike Perlmutter's gone. Victoria Alonso is gone. Victoria Alonso was protected class because, remember, she's not only a woman. I'm not a biologist, but she's a woman. She's Latina. And she's gay. I mean... She's got a trifecta of protection there, and it didn't protect her. Feige doesn't have any of that. And with the poor, for poor, the poor performance of Phase 4 and the terrible performance of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which features Jonathan Majors, who just got arrested for assault, Things may not be looking too good for Kevin Feige either. Uh, Green Girl in the chat is a new name I have not seen. Welcome. I'm 10 minutes behind, but those Majors text messages were bad for him. Who didn't read those and say, that sounds like an abused spouse? It was my fault you hit me kind of stuff. Possibly. It could be. Uh, and some people are speculating that might be that might be the case, which is why it's it's it would be good for us to see what footage we've heard is out there. Because the word is that there's footage from inside the taxi, and we have eyewitness in the taxi driver. The taxi driver could sit there and say, oh, no, here's what happened. And we have video from the taxi, and I imagine that somebody's got a copy of that somewhere. I, I would think that maybe Major's lawyer has that. So at some point, the story's going to come out. We're going to find out whatever truth is here. Whether he did something to her or she started it or whatever, we'll find out. And whatever, whatever allegations and accusations have, have come with regard to how he's behaved before, that shouldn't have anything to do with this particular case unless the, the prosecution decides to make it a part of a pattern of behavior, this could go any, any way. But the Walt Disney Company now is faced with another public relations mess. Because what do they do? 
do they treat Jonathan Majors the way they treated Johnny Depp and let him go just like that before anything? I mean, the the accusation is enough. (coughs) Or it was for Depp. Now, that's at the height of the Me Too movement, and there's all sorts of emotions swirling around, and we're in a different set of circumstances now. The environment is a little bit different now. But if Disney cuts Jonathan Majors loose, and it turns out that he's innocent of everything, then possibly you have a wrongful termination thing. You know, Disney cut their nose off to spite their face with regard to Depp, and now... You don't get Johnny Depp back to give you another Pirates of the Caribbean movie and save Walt Disney Company. Million alpacas notwithstanding. I don't think Johnny Depp will ever work for the Walt Disney Company again. So you have that bridge burned, that damage done, and maybe they're a little gun shy. Maybe they're sitting there going, well, we, don't, we, can't, we, can't, get rid, we can't get rid of Jonathan yet. What if we get rid of him and, and it turns out that he's innocent? That'll be two in a row. And I would think that some people in the PR department are kind of having, having kittens right now because they don't know what to do. How do we handle this? What do we say? What do we do? What if somebody asks us about this? Good luck. Glad it's not me. But if it were me, and I and I probably ought to get Judah to come on here and we talk about this because, yeah, I think we ought to do this. I think we probably ought to get Judah on, maybe see if we can get him on Thursday. Um, if it were me, and the Walt, Disney cli- the Walt Disney Company was my client as a PR advertising client, marketing client, I would sit there and say, shut up. Don't say anything. The only comment that you will have is we are going to wait and see what information comes out on the situation and we will act accordingly when it's time for us to make a decision and leave it at that. We will let the justice system run its course. We will let the case, you know, we will let the investigation do and the the proper authorities are dealing with this and we'll let them deal with it and we don't have any comment on it one way or the other until until we find out more. And, And leave it at that and leave it alone and don't say anything. And don't get all over social media with anything either. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, innocent until proven guilty. Unless you invoke the Pelosi doctrine. I'm just saying. Is Jack around here? I think I saw Jack wandering around here earlier. Jack, are you down here? Jack? I think he went back. I think he, I think he left the studio. Jack has left the studio. Anyway, all right. So. Wait. Oh, oh. Jack? Hey, there he is. Come here. 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 All right, everybody say hi to Jack. Say hi, Jack. Jack, you're on TV. What's going on? What's going on? Why is there why is why is everybody looking at me? All right, there's Jack. 
guest office dog Jack, ladies and gentlemen. And Mazers is not arf, it's arp. He he arps when he when he comes over uh, to let us know that he has arrived. He will announce his arrival with a series of arps, and he knows that uh, the gate is for him to come in and and spend some time with junior and senior office dog. <coughs> so there we are. All right, uh, we're gonna cut it off there. Half an hour, extra half hour. That's fine. We'll do that. All right, that's it, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Interesting times ahead for the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up tomorrow night, the H2O podcast, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Mr. Harvey and I will be talking about something. I know not what. We also got uh, Ranker Pit coming up on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, uh, this show is here uh, Monday through Open Line Friday. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we will have... Tomorrow on the program, Ariel uh, Racine will be here to talk about her movie Kill Her Goats. Uh, she was supposed to be on last week, and her flight got delayed, so we had to reschedule. So that'll be tomorrow. We'll be talking to her about that, and then uh, see what happens from there. I'll I'll see if we can get Judah on on uh, Thursday to talk about all the PR stuff going on with, with all these companies. So there we are. Uh, you can connect with us on various different social media platforms, all the different video platforms. Do connect with us on, the, on Odyssey and Rumble just uh, so we can get those numbers up. Even if you're watching on YouTube, it helps to get the numbers up elsewhere because, you know, algorithms and stuff and ad, ad revenue and that, that kind of thing. So, uh, so do help us out there. You can sign up for the newsletter. Connect with us on the Discord server. Plenty of conversations happening over there. And we'll do this again tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Remember, the government hates you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 